we are going to look at the word. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 28. Unfortunately, the notes I gave out is not what I'm going to share. So uh, don't worry about the notes. Um, I'll give out new notes. Um, the message kind of changed today. So we're going to talk about the purpose of cell groups and cell ministry. Uh, this is something that I've wanted to share for many years, actually, on a Sunday. And um, I've not been free to do so. But this today and also um, in two weeks' time, I'm going to be sharing. And when Philip comes, he'll come and speak as well. He'll be sharing along the same lines. Because um, as we're going to see, if you're serious about your walk with the Lord Jesus, cell ministry, as we call it, is a very important aspect in growing up as a mature Christian. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, these verses of Scripture are referred to as the Great Commission. This is what our Lord Jesus commissioned his disciples and the body of Christ in general to do before he ascended. Before the Lord returned back to heaven, he commissioned his disciples to do these things. Now, before I go any further, I just want to recap on a few things. Beginning of this year, our focus of, as a church was what? Who can tell me? What's our emphasis throughout this year? Who can tell me? Leap. It's a year to leap. That is a year of leadership, evangelism, and the power of God. This has been what we've been focusing on. This has been what we've been praying into. This has been what we've been trying to earth out. And it's been great. And we said that leap is like a play on words. It's a time, uh, a year of faith, a year of opportunity, and a year of fulfilling the will of God. Going that next step that we don't normally do. And for some of us, we've been doing that. How many of you felt like this year you've taken a leap? You've taken a leap. Let me see. You've taken a leap. Wonderful. For some of us, we've done that. For others, we haven't felt like we've taken any leap at all. It hasn't been any leap. It hasn't been a year of leap. It's been a year of digging, going down. But it's okay. It's all part of the journey. Um, so uh, a year of leap is a year of faith. It's a year where we began to do certain things that we haven't done before. And that is great. Uh, it's been a year where some of us have really been aspiring in the things of God that we, that we in the past have felt inadequate or we have felt like we don't have what it takes. And as we've taken those steps, it's been wonderful. I mean, one of, the, one of the highlights of this year for me has been our prayer meetings online, which has been amazing to see so many of you leading prayer meetings and leading it so powerfully, leading it so Holy Spirit-inspired, and uh, we've been actually praying. And to see the dedication of many of you every morning and every afternoon and every evening, week in, week has been awesome. And I think you should give yourself a hand. It's been fantastic. Yeah, you can. You, you can just listen. Anyway. So, so that's been great. But you see, for us to really build on this, and this is what today is, I'm talking about, it's about. We have to be willing to commit to discipleship and to fulfilling this great commission of Jesus. If you want to show leadership, if you want to show evangelism, if you want to demonstrate the power of God, 
there has to be a context where it's not just you and your family. It's not just you alone. It has to be a context beyond that. And the best context for us to fulfill this objective of LEAP really is within the cell ministry context. Now, when I talk about cell ministry, you might be thinking, what is he talking about? Is he talking about prison cells and so forth? No, it's just a, a, a group of two or more people who are committed together to fulfill this great commission that I read about. That's really what a cell is about. It's, in my view, the, probably the most relevant um, vehicle to help Christians grow. When I began to be involved in cell ministry many years ago, in the early 80s, 1983, 84, 83, 84, it's when I began, this is a few years ago, so most of you weren't born then. How many of you were born before 83? Can I see? Look at that, it's like half the church. For some of you, it sounds like the 14th century, isn't it? Yeah. When I began to get involved in cell ministry, I remember um, uh, one of the leaders of the church, I was invited to go to this house group. It was a house group, and we called it Life Cells in our church. And I went to this house group. And um, after going for about three or four weeks, the leader didn't turn up. One day I went, and the leader actually didn't turn up. So the, guy, the, the, the guys that said to me, Brother Joe, because in our church, it was brother and sister. Brother Joe, would you like to share something? So I thought, okay. So I shared. I thought, where is this leader? So I shared. And then they were really happy, and I was relieved. Then I went the following week, and the leader came late. So whilst he was late, they said, Brother Joe, would you like to share something? And I'm like, what, what, what's all this? What's going on? So I shared. And this went on for a while. Sometimes he would turn up, sometimes he won't turn up. And then they would all turn around. And a lot of these guys, they were more mature than me. But they would all turn up and say, Brother Joe, would you like to share something? And I would. So after a while, I start kind of preparing myself when I went to the group, just in case I was asked. But what I didn't know was they were all in cahoots. They had planned it to train me. And the leader with those guys were training me because they saw in me potential. They saw something in me that I didn't see. And so when they were asking me, Brother Joe, and, and tolerating my wrong doctrines and all the other stuff I would add, teaching them how they're supposed to believe Jesus, teaching them what the Bible really says because they don't really know it. Brother Joe has the answers. They were just tolerating me, humoring, oh, wow, yes, amazing, Brother Joe, wow, yes, no, no, and they were all training me. Do you know something? CLF started with one cell group. And today it's a global movement of churches. And my training began in a cell group like that. Uh, the guy who actually trained me, next month he'll be coming to speak. So it will be interesting. And you see, you think, that guy trained you? Yes, you'll see. I'm not, not going to mention it. But yeah, he, he's, he's a wonderful guy. But he's the one who trained me. What am I saying? As I did this cell thing, and I can honestly tell you, a lot of times I didn't want to go. How many of you, you're in a cell, how many are in a cell group in our church? You're in some kind of cell. Wave if you're in some kind of cell. Wonderful. Wave if you want to be in some kind of cell. Okay, don't worry. Don't wave. Don't wave. Right? 
I can honestly say I was like some of you who don't go to sales. I didn't want to go. I felt that it, 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 you know, it wasn't something for me. How many of you had that? It's not for me. I've done sales. How many of you have done, you've done the sales thing? Yeah, and Zen is raising his hands and his legs as well. <laughs> yeah. But what I discovered in my 36 years of walking, with, 35 years of walking with the Lord Jesus, if there, are, there is one vehicle that has assisted me the most outside of my personal devotional life, it is a cell ministry. That is what has helped me to grow in my knowledge, in how I relate to people, in how I understand God's word, in how I learn to discipline myself. Because it was every week. I mean, many weeks I'll do this cell thing and I didn't want to turn up. And it was one heavy burden. How many of you, you've led cells and it's like one heavy burden? Yeah. It's like a heavy burden, but we persevere. It's only when I entered the ministry, I realized what God had done. He had forged in me such fortitude that it didn't matter what I was facing. I could still stand before his people and serve them freely and willingly. And so I want to share this because for me, it's been such a blessing in my life. And as our church is about to grow, like a free year, share that word about God is about to do an amazing thing. And we need to be ready. One of the things that's going to happen is if like 20, 30, 40, 50 new people came here, how will we care for them? Some of you here are the ones who are going to care for them. In your busy schedules, you'll find time. Say amen if you agree. You'll find time. In your busy life, you find time. So I want to encourage you with this. So what is the purpose of the cell group? Well, it is rooted in this great commission. It is rooted in what the Lord says, go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And it enables a church like ours to raise disciples who are Christ-centered, who are purpose-driven within a small group context. And it is so important that if you are serious about your faith, you are within a small group context. So yeah, we come like this and we're all here and we're worshiping together and it's great. But if your faith is just around when you gather like this, after a while, not only will you feel disconnected, the enemy will be able to pick you out. You need somebodies within the fellowship you're a part of to be able to relate to, to be able to speak into your life and you speak into their life and that is what cell groups is all about. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18 verse 20, our Lord says this, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So anytime believers gather together because of Jesus or as his representatives, he promises to be in the midst. So when we, within the context of a small group, gather, Jesus is present. And because Jesus is present, he is able to speak into our lives through each other. Leviticus 26, 8 says this, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Now, what I want you to see is a dynamic. Five take 100 and 100 take 10,000. When five people unite together around a common vision of any kind, 
the potential of accomplishment becomes one to 20. In other words, because there are five of them are united, each one of them can take on 20. But if you're on your own, it's one versus one. Five unite, there's an exponential strength that is released. But when 100 unite, it becomes one to 100. The strength um, uh, multiplies five times. When 100 people unite. So what he's saying is, is this. When you as a believer learn to unite around other believers for a common goal of discipleship, you automatically receive spiritual strength that allows you to do what 20 people can do. And that's what I have found. What some of the things that has helped me so much in my journey has been being in a cell context relationship with other believers so that when I am weak, they strengthen me. When I feel discouraged, I get encouraged. When I'm going off key, they speak into my life. You know something? Within the context of small groups, sometimes that context has more authority over you than even your pastor. Because as a pastor, I'm standing here and, you know, a bit removed. And uh, sometimes, yeah, he's a pastor. He's just saying what he's saying. But your friend can say, you're being an idiot. If a pastor says to you, you're being an idiot, you leave the church. But if your friend says to you, you're being an idiot, what kind of nonsense? You believe that? You really believe that? That is ludicrous. You say, hey, you tell me it's ludicrous. Yes, it is ludicrous. But you say, maybe you've got a point. But if your pastor said, you believe that? That is ludicrous. You say, this man this man, I'm leaving his church. Look at him. How can you insult me like that? Why? Because when it is in that kind of context, you are far more accountable to each other. I mean, I had a, a group of friends and uh, maybe some of you have heard my Elijah story. How many of you heard my Elijah story? Well, me and my friend, we, 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 we had a friendship with uh, this guy who was mentored by another guy and the guy believed he was Elijah. It was Elijah who should return. I'm not talking figurative Elijah. I'm talking he believed he was Elijah. So me and my friend heard about this phenomena. Well, my friend heard about it and invited me to come to this uh, meeting. And it was kind of a bit cryptic, so <laughs> I went to this meeting. And uh, this man began to talk. And uh, he was so eloquent and uh, he seemed so knowledgeable. And he, when he talked, he had a bit of a, a roar to his voice. So the Lord is uh, wanting to do something very special. And, you know, we were young Christians. And so it's like, wow, this is, this is an, the voice is anointed. And when you quote scripture, you know, when he quotes John 3.16, we quote John 3.16 like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. When he quotes John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. You see the son, not even son, son. That who, and it's like, so we were mesmerized. So I began to wonder, maybe, listen to the folly. I began to wonder, maybe this man might be, might be. <laughs> when you're young, you believe all kinds of foolishness. Until one day, I was listening to this man's preaching. And one of my siblings, who wasn't even a believer, happened to hear the guys talking, and he said, Joe, 
Who's that? I said, well, you know, the man, he thinks he's Elijah. As the thing came out of my mouth, I saw how ridiculous it was. And then my brother said, it wasn't Alfred, it was my older brother. He said, so Joe, do you think he's Elijah? The question solved the riddle. That's what interaction does. The way he asked the question made me see how stupid that is. From that day, I said to my friend, my friend, the guy is not Elijah. <laughs> now, my friend still was not quite sure. He said, you know, Joe, I don't know if God is Jesus. I said, my friend, the guy is not Elijah. Of course, we found out later he definitely wasn't Elijah. He was a womanizer. As, yeah, he was a, a, a crazy man, actually. He was a crazy man. That's the, all these kind of things go. But what am I saying? I'm highlighting why you need to be part of a group of believers committed to discipleship. No matter how anointed you are, no matter how dedicated you are, no matter how serious you are for Jesus, you need other believers. Say to your neighbor, I need you and you need me. So let me highlight a few things why cell ministry exists within any church. Any church. First thing is, it's to empower every believer in fulfilling their call as believers. To empower you as a child of God to fulfill your call. That's why it exists. And to enable you to serve within the context of your unique gifts as a believer. Everybody is different. Everybody has different abilities. And uh, you'll be amazed how intelligent the person sitting next to you is. Sometimes I get amazed by how wonderful the members of this church are, how God uses them, how God is working in their lives. When you're standing here, you can't see much. But when you get to talk to people, you realize how wonderful their lives are, how rich their lives are. And cell allows you a window to see your fellow brothers and sisters and to see them develop um, within their uniqueness. Secondly, it allows a church to fulfill its corporate mandate of making disciples. Every local church, if they are a church that belongs to Jesus, if they're a church committed to the New Testament revelation of God, then they need to be committed to making disciples. The scripture we read in Matthew 28 says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. Somebody who is committed to following Jesus, but they are disciplined about him. There is such a difference between converts and disciples. Those who attend church, we have those who are church attendees. They attend church services. There are those who have become converts to Christ. They've given their lives to Christ. And then there are those who are disciples of Christ. They are committed to disciplining themselves in following Jesus. May you be a disciple. And that's what churches are there for. He says, go and make disciples. Third thing, cell ministry exists to develop our members in a workable and practical environment for Christian service and fruitfulness. You see, like, you know, we, we were worshiping, we said, if you have a word come and bring it and so forth. I am convinced that there were several of you who had something, but for whatever reason, you couldn't come up here. Sometimes it's because of shyness. 
Sometimes you're not sure. You know, I have something, but I'm not sure if it's God or if it's my mind. How many of you have that at times? Yeah, look at how many. And how many of you even in the service, you weren't sure whether it was God or your mind? How many? Look at that, wonderful. I just wish you had responded because the chances are it was not, it was, your, it was God and it was your mind. It's a combination of two. And that's why we are able to sift it out. Uh, often God will speak to you through your mind and then your mind will also have some tricks with it. And uh, as you grow in confidence, you learn to sift the two. Now, the reason why I'm saying that is this. The cell context allows you uh, to just share it, you know, because you're with friends. You know, I, I got this. I'm not sure if it's God. And then you share it, and then it blesses someone. Um, sometimes, I, as a pastor, people say to me, you know, we also would like to come and stand here and preach. Uh, we, 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 how many of you would like to come and preach here once in a while? Come, come be honest. Wave, wave, wave. Yes. Oh, this is awesome. Look at that. This is Fantastic. May it happen in Jesus' name. However, after you speak from here, there's a price. When you leave here and you go home, there are demons that will follow you because you spoke to them. And they will test you out to see whether you have the strength of character to live out what you said. So like you say, you come and tell us, church, you need to be a holy people. Have, give yourself pure. Don't watch pornography. Don't have sex outside of marriage. You walk out there and you find, you start getting tempted. Suddenly you become hot cake to somebody. They want to sleep with you. I'm not even joking. Now, where's your strength? Are you going to... What are you going to do? No, no, no. You know, you say, listen, let's be pure. We don't steal money. We don't do this. We don't do that. And then you go. And some opportunity will come for you to bend the rules. Add a zero to the thing so that your taxes are lowered or cross out a zero. Or don't pay for your licenses. There's all kinds of licenses. The moral compass becomes a lot higher when you start telling people what to do. James says, you, we who are teach, he said not many of you ought to be teachers because those of us who teach are receiving a stricter judgment. Yeah, so that's why we try to protect you from here. Not because we are hugging it. We're trying to protect you. But may you come to that place where you can be released. Amen. Third, fourth thing is that some ministry helps us to minister to the needy and vulnerable in church. You see, there are people in church who are carrying things, but you will not know. The way they look, the way they dress, the way they smell, the way they walk, you think, this guy has got it together. Got it together. This woman, look at the way she's walking. Clear, clear. She's got it together. My friend, she hasn't got it together, you know. She just looks like she, she is bleeding inside. He is suffering inside. He's looking for somebody to be able to pour his heart out. But you all look so prim and proper, he wouldn't dare. Because when he, the way you worship, some of us, the way we worship, as we lift our hand, and as we were, it's like so holy. The way you, your worship is so holy. It's like, hey! And I tell this person I have phone problems. Nah, I can't be telling them that. Nah, nah, nah. But let me tell you, sometimes even the, it's a disguise. There's some things. I'm just being honest. I'm not saying anybody. I'm just saying normal Christian thing. So the point is, there are people who are vulnerable in our midst. 
They can't come here and say, church, uh, the word I have today is last night, you know, I watched uh, some erotic thing and I stole some money. Or uh, I just want to say, church, uh, me and Yesha Aisha and I, we fought and I slapped her three times, you know. But uh, forgive me. You can't do that. It never happened, by the way. I'm just, it never happened. But the, the, the thing is, but in a small group context, sometimes you can say, look, this is what I'm going through. My marriage is going through problems. I don't know what to do. And church people generally, generally speaking, whether, whatever you've heard somewhere else, I'm telling you, generally speaking, church people are not people who go around spreading people's stories. Now, you might do it, but most people don't. Right? Most people, I'm telling you this now, most people, they sympathize when you real, open up and share how vulnerable you are. And any Christian who judges you because you've fallen, they are setting themselves up for a bigger fall than you've fallen. That's the truth. So, so when you are opening up, when you're sharing about what you're going through in that small group context, it protects you. That's what helped me over the years. Uh, some of my close friends like Austin and different ones, we would share and Zen and Phil, we would share about what we were going through. We would laugh at each other and then pray for each other. Yeah. So, hey, you, you, and sometimes Austin would see me say, Joe, have you been up to that thing? There was something, we had a name for a code name. It was a code name we had for certain things. If it was a men's meeting, I'll mention it. But there are ladies here, you have to be prepared properly. <laughs> We had the code for certain things we fell into. Say, say, Joe, have you today? I said, my friend, have you? Hey, I asked first. I asked first. <laughs> I asked first. <laughs> but through that, we were strengthening and encouraging each other until we got the breakthrough and married. <clears throat> Amen, let's move on. <laughs> um, f- number what? Five. It helps to provide a family environment and build lasting relationships. It's such an important element. Let me tell you this. In every church, you will feel either loved or unloved by people who love you. It depends whether you are connected, right? And no matter how loving a church is, if you're not part of a small group context and what we call cell groups, you will feel unloved. You will feel unappreciated. And uh, the enemy will be able to attack you more. And so what cell ministry does is it helps you to form relationships with church members that are meaningful and that are lasting. I mean, some of us, we have friendships with people who are part of this church. They've gone on to other churches, but the friendship still remains. It doesn't mean that we're a friend as long as you're part of this church. But when you leave, anathema, cut them off. No, 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 no. The friendships are there to last forever. The other day, somebody asked me, if so-and-so left your church, will you allow them to be involved in this kind of ministry? I said, why not? Of course. As long as you're not in sin, as long as you're not in some kind of rebellion, why not? So just because the person may leave the church, it doesn't mean that you stop having a relationship with him. With them. Sixth point, it helps to facilitate growth. It helps to facilitate and manage growth. As more people come into the church, it is not possible for the pastor or even the leadership of that church to be able to touch those people one on one. It's not physically possible, but through the cell group context, it's possible. And last but not least, 
it helps us to be an effective witness of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in our given communities. So we have, we have a cell here in, in Charlton. I had a cell in Charlton. And through Charlton, through that cell in Charlton, we're able to win people. We're able to impact the community. We're able to see the church grow. And as the cell grew and grew and grew and grew, it became a bigger and bigger church. And then we began to plant out and plant out and plant out into different areas. And so I just want to encourage you in conclusion to embrace the mandate of God upon your life to make disciples and become part of a cell group context. Uh, Fallout, where are you? You have an announcement to make? At this time, Fuller's going to come and make his announcement. But as he's coming, we're going to pray. I want to pray with you. Um, he'll make his announcement, and then we'll have communion. Is that right? So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for those of us here who have felt disconnected. We have felt disconnected. I'm not saying to you, join a cell group, although I would encourage you to. But that's not what this prayer is about. This prayer is to help you to receive spiritual strength where you have felt disconnected from the church and from the Lord. If that's you, why don't you stand right now? I want to just pray with you. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray into this where you have felt disconnected for whatever reason. Maybe there's things that you're going through and uh, you need more support and it's not been there. I want to pray with you. Now, the cell ministry helps in that sense. It really does help. But as you're standing, why don't you raise your hand? Some of you are already in the cell that are standing. I know that. But I want to pray that the Lord will just strengthen you. The Lord will just protect you. The Lord will help you. So as you're standing, talk to him. Tell him, Lord, as I'm standing, I ask for your strength. I ask for your protection. I ask for your grace. Just tell him right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for these precious ones that are standing. And I ask for grace upon them. Grace upon them. I ask that, Lord, as they are standing, your Holy Spirit will begin to move in their lives in such a way that they will receive strength. Send the right people their way. Send people to encourage them, to strengthen them. Help them to connect with the right people in the church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If the ministers can come, follow, get ready. Ministers can come. We're going to take...